Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever notice when you're making up some quick, you're spelling hell wreck, sick? You take to take that first little sip, because you know it'll Sniff, taste, and enjoy Nescafe regular or green label decaffeinated. How long have you been drinking Nestle's quick? Ever since I was about your size. Big Frank Howard, Nestle's Triple Decker Bar. He took a slice of dark chocolate, creamy white fudge, and a slice of milk chocolate... Nestle is one of the most hated companies in the world, and for good reason. They have completely drained creeks and natural springs of fresh water only to bottle it and sell it. Environmental concerns, exploitation, none of that matters in the face of profit. I've said profits over people before, but for Nestle, it really seems to be their slogan. There is a perception around the world that Nestle goes into poor communities with lax regulations, entices them with the promise of jobs, and then takes their water, sells it back to them at a profit. We have to go where the water's at. What do you think? Nestle and that's only the tip of the ever-melting iceberg. Nestle has also been accused of killing millions of infants internationally because of infants that became dependent on their baby formula. They convinced mothers that their breast milk simply wasn't good enough and that Nestle was a superior product despite Nestle's company origin being in saving infants. Henry Nestle himself developed a breakthrough baby food in the 1800s, a mixture of milk, wheat flour, and sugar, and it helped mothers who couldn't breastfeed. It was another option, it was an alternative, and it was a saving grace for these families. It was never meant to be advertised as better. But it's so much more than that. Nestle uses child labor in their product creation and sourcing, and even though they admit profiting from this exploitation on their website, they seem to dismiss the severity by saying they provide access to education and it's a global problem, not a them problem. They're committed to ending child labor on paper, certainly, but as recently as 2021, they were facing a child slavery lawsuit. Plaintiffs, former child slaves, said they had been trafficked and forced to work for years without pay and no clearer idea of where they were or how to get back to their families. Sure, what progress though, right? There's really no way to beat around the bush here. Nestle is kind of an evil company. Their products are tainted by abuse, slavery, exploitation, and even death. Everywhere you turn, they have another controversy, another thing that's gone so horribly wrong. Their anti-union busting efforts have allegedly led to murder. The levels of microplastics in their products are high. And if Nestle was a person, well, they'd be American psycho, according to MR Online. But the scariest part isn't necessarily what they've done. It's the fact that it may be too late to really stop them. And that's what we're gonna explore on today's episode of The Corporate Casket. It's putting babies' lives at risk. Nestle denies the allegations and claims it's sticking to the WHO recommendations. Six millions forced to work on Ivory Coast cocoa farms as children are suing Nestle USA and privately held food corporation Cargill. They say they worked 14-hour days with little food and were beaten. They the rest is Nestle best. Cargill and that's clear. And we support that. And actually, and we are, I think, the biggest communicator on that in the world. Because we, um, so that's a fact. Now, uh, if for whatever reason it's not possible to... 
This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Let's start with the breastfeeding controversy, as it's one of the most well-known, longest-running issues Nestle has ever faced. More than 50 million babies have been raised on this form of milk. In Vietnam, like in many other parts of Asia, baby milk powder is a booming business. Two Swiss companies are among the big brands, dairy producer Hochdorf and food giant Nestle. First and foremost, if Nestle has such an excellent formula, how could it kill infants? Back in the 1970s, Nestle effectively got mothers everywhere, even in third world countries, hooked on formula. They basically promoted their product as the superior way to feed a nursing child, convincing mothers to buy it and stop breastfeeding altogether. Now, as mothers may or may not know, once you stop breastfeeding, your breast milk will gradually decrease and then dry up. This meant that these mothers in third world countries became reliant on Nestle the more they used it. But no big deal because Nestle is amazing, right? Well, no, because not only is it more expensive, but you need water in order to make the formula. And the water in third world countries may have bacteria in it that can cause diarrhea and other illnesses that can make infants sick. Worst case scenario, an infant can die from these things too. But this didn't stop Nestle. They continued pushing and pushing, even hiring saleswomen in nurses' uniforms to sell new mother's baby formula. Imagine that these days. Someone in a lab coat shows up to your door, dressed like a doctor, telling you about a new revolutionary product and tossing all this research at you. It's absolutely wild to me that this was even allowed in the first place. One mother described it to Insider as follows. The nurse began by saying breastfeeding was best. She then went on to detail the supplementary foods that the breastfed baby would need. The nurse was implying that it was possible to start a proprietary baby milk from birth, which would avoid these unnecessary problems. Many women in these countries also didn't understand that diluting the formula meant that babies would be malnourished, but they had to do so in order to actually feed their children because there simply was not enough to go around. So because of this, illnesses and malnourishment in infants skyrocketed due to the formula. A speaker for the United States Agency for International Development, Dr. Stephen Joseph, said that about a million infants died every year at this time, solely due to the factors we mentioned. And even those that did survive may have experienced hindered development. Boycotts soon spread like wildfire all over the world. You know you're an asshole when boycotts go international. But Nestle took it one step further, and regulation was actually put in place because of these deaths. I talk so much about how people need to take a more careful look at unregulated industries, and in this case, Nestle was horrific enough that regulation was introduced. The code, which was put in place in 1981, holds Nestle and other breast milk substitutes to certain advertising standards. They can't have nurses show up at your door saying their substitute is better than breastfeeding, basically. And sure, they can make research available, but it can't be misleading in nature. And I know that sounds like it shouldn't need to be said, you know, hey, don't mislead nursing mothers is a basic ask, but here we are all the same. And the issues with Nestle's breast milk still aren't over. These days, Nestle uses those same tactics when advertising their other food products all over the world. 
They allegedly greenwash, lie about their nutrition, and it's all become so widespread that the former mayor of New York, Michael Bloomberg, actually compared it to the tobacco industry. The tobacco industry, you know, the one that we know is evil and disgusting. And here Nestle is seemingly adopting their methods. But there's something worse and even more sly about the way Nestle operates. According to The Guardian, quote, While the diseases are now obesity, diabetes, and heart disease, the issues about the food industry's responsibility remain the same. Its huge marketing budgets clearly influence people's behavior, even if direct causality can't be demonstrated. But direct causality can be found in how Nestle operates. All you need to do is look at the labor they used, slave labor and child labor. The U.S. Supreme Court is set to decide whether two of the world's largest chocolate companies can be held responsible for human rights abuses on cocoa farms in Western Africa. Six Millions, forced to work on Ivory Coast cocoa farms as children, are suing Nestle USA and privately held food corporation Cargill. Nestle knows they they have a problem with child labor. The whole world knows it. On cocoa farms, kids work grueling hours to bring in money for their families, or in some cases, they receive nothing at all. The Fair Labor Association, commissioned by Nestle, visited 260 farms and found 56 workers under the age of 18. Of these workers, 27 were under the age of 15. In one farm, a young worker hadn't received a salary for a year's worth of work. And even in so-called family farms, kids are made to do dangerous tasks, like using machetes and transporting heavy loads. Now, this is absolutely no surprise, even though it is disheartening. All too often, we've seen places call themselves family farms to seem more wholesome and legitimate. After all, if I told you that your chocolate was made on a family farm, you'd probably get like Little House on the Prairie vibes in your head, right? Maybe you imagine a kid in a straw hat, a piece of hay sticking out from their mouth, watching a dog named Goldie round up sheep. But that's not what's happening here, as farming is far more dangerous than the rosy image a term like family farming might try to convey. Children as young as 11 years old have sued Nestle and other chocolate companies, trying to hold them accountable for this. One of these young boys says he was promised to be paid 34 pounds a month, only to work for years for free, often having no choice but to apply pesticides and herbicides without protective clothing. Another claims that he wasn't paid after the harvest, suffered cuts from machete accidents, and was constantly being bitten by bugs. But hey, Nestle claims they're phasing out child labor, right? it's going to take time until they can eliminate it completely, right? Unfortunately, I can't even give them credit there. Chocolate still begins with child labor much of the time, and Nestle's efforts haven't fully changed that. According to the Washington Post, thousands of small farms along the Ivory Coast in West Africa farm the world's most important source of cocoa. Not only is there an epidemic in child labor there, but giant chocolate companies like Nestle, Mars, and Hershey still support them. It's funny how two decades ago, they promised to eradicate this child labor, and now they just say, oh, we don't agree with it, and we're devoted to stopping it with little meaningful action to back up those words. We committed to making chocolate sustainably. We owe this to our consumers, the chocolate lovers, to the farmers, and the communities who grow cocoa. Basically, we owe it to everyone. Child labor is unacceptable to us. Back in 2005, 2008, and 2010, chocolate companies have set target dates to uproot child labor. To say that they failed miserably would be an understatement. It's only words in my eyes, and it's marketing. According to some experts, there was never even a chance at stopping child labor by their target dates. Nestle merely said it to just appear better than they are. 
But that's the catch here. A company as wealthy and powerful as Nestle could actually make a difference if they wanted to. They, I'm sure, could find a way to ensure their cocoa doesn't come from child labor. But why go to all that trouble when empty words do just fine and no consequences are put in place for failing these goals? Not only that, but it's hard to even know for sure just how much child labor is going on because kids will lie about their ages claiming to be 19 when they're really 15. We can't really say for sure what percentage of this abuse occurs in their system. All we know is that there's too much going on. As for what Nestle has to say about all of this, they make sure to focus on the good. They buy cocoa that's certified by Fairtrade and Rainforest Alliance. And that sounds positive. And that sounds like real action. But it's so stupidly easy to avoid their inspections that these certifications are often worthless, according to the Washington Post. Inspections for the labels typically are announced in advance and are required of fewer than one in 10 farms annually, according to the groups. Put simply, when the certification auditors come, the children were ushered from the fields and when interviewed, the farmers denied they were ever there, according to a 2017 Nestle report. Yep, but Nestle is Rainforest Alliance certified. So impressive. I mean, look at that adorable frog in the logo. Surely with a frog like that, they have to be legitimate. Right. But anyway, some of Nestle's other attempts to look good and be sustainable are laughable when you give it a second thought. Take this for example. Last year in 2022, Nestle gave their farmers cash to send their children to school. And that sounds like a great solution. Now, farmers will be incentivized to give their children an education. I think that's great. Or, hear me out, what if you just paid farmers a living wage to begin with? What if you take a second to stop patting yourselves on the back and take a small chunk of your billions of dollars of profit to pay these farmers what they're actually worth? Reuters writes that with this new program, farmers will receive a 25% boost in income or about $540. That means that they were only making a little over $2,000 to begin with. Plus, how are they even going to enforce this? Would this mean a 25% boost for each child? And when the incentive goes down to only half as much after two years, what if a farmer then decides they need child labor to run the operation? How will this actually stop anyone from trafficking children? Ultimately, there are just too many other factors that Nestle either hasn't considered or isn't speaking up about, at least not in this article. And after years and years of empty promises and disappointment, I don't really trust them to keep their word or make any positive impact. But it's not just their chocolate that's accused of not-so-sweet scandals. Nestle's water is a massive point of controversy, too. My name is Peter Brabeck. Uh, I come from Villach in Kärnten. And... Uh bin seit jetzt sieben Jahren Verantwortlicher der Nestle Gruppe. Der größte Extrem, würde ich sagen, wird von einigen von den äh, NGOs vertreten, äh, die darauf pochen. This is a former Nestle CEO explaining that there are two opinions on the matter of water. One is that it's a right, which, as he says, is an extreme solution. Then on the other hand, water is like any other food product and has the right to be privatized. This clearly is the side he does believe in. Now, let me go ahead and make something very perfectly clear. Water is not like any other food product. If you disagree with me on that, that's fine, but you're probably not gonna like the rest of this section. I personally believe that every human being has the right to water. It's literally a necessity. In a few hundred years, when non-polluted air is hard to come by, Nestle will probably be one of the first companies trying to make big bucks by selling clean air with this mindset too. I find it even more disgusting how just a few minutes later, the CEO is walking around in some kind of museum going off about how humans are happier and more prosperous than ever before the phrase 
We Feed the World shows up on screen. Like, yeah, Peter, maybe in your corner of the world, people are richer and healthier than ever before, but not everyone is the CEO of a multi-billion dollar company that is so disconnected from reality that they see water as something to be exploited. In many poor countries and regions of the world, corporations like Nestle will extract billions and billions of liters of water, sell it, and then dump billions of contaminated water back into water basins and aquifers. Poorer communities, often rural or indigenous, then have no choice but to pay for what should be their own fucking water. Like seriously, imagine someone digging a well right in your backyard. It doesn't matter if there's a drought because they bought however many millions of tons of water from the land and now they feel entitled to it. And once that land is dried up and all that's left is wastewater from their pollution, you have no choice but to pay out the nose for drinkable well water drawn from your own backyard. That's not all that far off from what these corporations are doing. And it's not as if the countries subjected to this don't care. They've been pressured into it. Quote, free trade agreements allow companies to basically do whatever they want. Mexico is a fiscal paradise for them, says Nahui, a leader of the United Peoples, explaining that Bonafront has been able to steal water from indigenous communities for decades thanks to protection from the state. Though Bonafont water is being used as the example here, make no mistake, Nestle does this too. Many water companies in general use these tactics. And what makes them especially terrible though, is how Nestle will not only take water from those who need it and then pollute the waterways, but they don't even have the tiniest sense of morality to do it the legal way either, because there's a legal way to exploit people too, didn't you know? Nestle had a permit to take water from California and that expired in 1988. Do you want to guess how long they were using it? 1989? No. Maybe a whole decade later, 1998? Also no. Nestle continued using this expired permit until 2016, and the US Forest Service didn't even give a damn. They charge an annual fee of $2,100, which is nothing to Nestle, honestly, and the company in turn has been able to deplete Strawberry Creek of its natural resources. Not only has Nestle impacted the drinking water supply and the environment in that area, but it sure as hell isn't helping the state's general struggle with droughts. Michael Ohini, the executive director of an environmental group in Berkeley, California, asked LA Times, quote, should we really be pulling water out of a national forest to stick in plastic bottles to sell at a significant markup? It's a poor use of our resources. And that's a great question, Michael, and I think I can answer it. No, we absolutely should not. The fact that this question even has to be asked, even rhetorically, is beyond frustrating. And while you'd think that taking water from drought-ridden or impoverished areas and selling it back to them is about as bad as it could get, I'll raise you one better, or one worse, depending on how you want to view it. Nestle has paid a mere $200 per year to take water out of Flint, Michigan. $200, not $200,000, $200 million, just $200. Seriously, if I had the machinery to do it, I'd pay that just to give the water back to the people there because that seems like such a minor cost. To put it in perspective, they made about $7 billion in 2019, the year this Guardian article was written. This means that $200 is one thirty-five thousandth of their income. It is such a fraction of a fraction of a fraction that it just isn't even fathomable to me. And yet that's all they pay to pump enough water for 100,000 Michigan residents. Even a single person's water bill in Flint, Michigan could be about $180 per month during 2017. One resident, Chuck Wolverton, said that's what he paid despite driving 15 miles out of town every night just to use his brother's shower and wash his clothes. All the while, 
Nestle paid just about $20 more to pump 150 gallons per minute. Technically speaking, they don't even pay $200. That's just an administration fee. But the thing is, before anyone says that I'm trying to tell Nestle they can't sell bottled water, I'm not saying we need to ban bottled water altogether. But if a company believes in privatizing water as a whole and making mass profit at the expense of the communities they're taking the water from, then that is a huge problem. Nestle isn't trying to transport fresh water to people in need. They're price hiking it to those desperate enough to pay and taking it from the mouths of those who deserve it more, at least in my opinion anyway. Despite this and the state's recommendations that Nestle cease unauthorized diversions, Nestle remains unstoppable. Sometimes even for the most ridiculous reasons too. For example, the Forest Service in California approved a new five-year permit for Nestle to draw water on federal land in 2019. Critics say it defies common sense, but I say it's a move that makes me question if someone in the Forest Service is willing to sell their soul for a few dollars. But again, that's just my speculation. Nothing would really surprise me anymore at this point. After all, Nestle has lobbied politicians before. It's a well-read page in their playbook. Now, aside from this obvious environmental cost, Nestle is a real player in the global warming game. I've said before how frustrating it is that consumers are pushed to be ethical and sustainable while large companies with massive carbon footprints refuse to hold themselves to the same standard. Now, that's not to say that we shouldn't try to cut back on waste, but it can be incredibly disheartening when the average citizen is trying to avoid plastic and Nestle's environmental damage just keeps rising. Now, I won't lie and say that Nestle is the worst company of them all, that simply is not true they've continually preached how much they care when the numbers don't actually support those words. Quote, Nestle's environmental impact ratio fell from 20.6% in 2009 to 16.2% in 2015, but then shot up to 21.1% in 2017 and 22.7% in 2018, higher even than the decade earlier level. Of course, Nestle will still pretend they care when young consumers with sustainability concerns are listening. Why, then the environment is their number one priority. 113 million metric tons of carbon dioxide into the air in 2018? Don't you worry about that. They're simply improving from that. And look, as much as I'd like to believe Nestle, that their greenhouse emissions will be cut by 50% by 2030 and net zero by 2050, I just don't. They've broken promises before, and as grim as this may sound, I just think it's too late to reverse their impact. Nestle should have shown they cared long ago not waited until the next generation demanded it. But when Nestle isn't trying to privatize water and harm the environment, children, or infants, they're proving how little they care about human life in general by getting their own hands dirty. Nestle union members have had their lives threatened with death by paramilitaries. And no, I'm not exaggerating. I'm sure as many of you know, unions are important in the workplace but especially in workplaces like Amazon, Nestle, and other large companies that are notorious for workplace abuse. Unions secure better wages, equal pay, healthcare, retirement security, paid leave, you name it. And the vast majority of the time, you're better off being in a union. Now that's not to say that every single union is perfect, but the pros typically do outweigh the cons. Horrifically for Nestle workers, one of those cons is quite literally having your life at risk. According to MR Online, one Colombian trade unionist, Luciano Romero, campaigned for workers' rights for years. He documented violations of human rights at the Colombian Nestle factory, which got him falsely branded as a guerrilla fighter by local Nestle representatives. Quote, he was also accused without grounds of being responsible for a bombing on the factory premises in 1999. 
In Colombia, a defamation of this kind can effectively amount to a death sentence. Ultimately, in 2005, Romero was murdered by being stabbed dozens of times. The paramilitary killers were convicted two years later, and the judge, while passing the sentence, even ordered an investigation into the management at the Nestle subsidiary where he worked. The scary thing here is that this really wasn't some one-off or uncommon occurrence, nor did it even stop at Romero's death. At one time, trade unionists were receiving multiple death threats from Colombia's paramilitary groups. Now, I don't want to definitively say, yes, Nestle was absolutely involved and ordered this attack, but let's be transparent here. It seems all too likely that they knew something. I find it borderline impossible to believe that they were not aware, but we'll ultimately never know for sure. Claimants have tried to bring action against them, and the European Center for Constitutional and Human Rights submitted a complaint in 2014. Unfortunately, it was dismissed because of the statute of limitations. If Nestle was involved, they've gotten away with it. They won. At the very least, I personally believe that Nestle did know Romero was in danger and they're guilty of not acting. And why would they? He was a liability to their profits. Some sources claim that Romero did tell Nestle managers directly the threats he was receiving and they neglected to act. Even more scary, as UCA News writes, quote, the dismissal of this case shows huge companies like Nestle are intentionally too complex to be held accountable for their involvement in these types of things. If Nestle really is too big to be held accountable for possible murder, then what can they actually be held accountable for? False marketing that harms and kills infants? Their dog food having E. coli outbreaks? Their milk causing over 50,000 hospitalizations of babies in 2008? No, no, and nope. Nestle continues to chug along as profitable and successful and quite frankly, as evil as ever. And unless a massive change does take place, like apocalyptic levels of change, I'm not sure that Nestle will ever actually be stopped. But unfortunately, with all of that being said, that is where we're ending today's episode of The Corporate Casket. I'm sorry I couldn't end this one on a good note. Nestle really is like super villain levels of evil. They're pretty scary if we're being honest. And I do wonder if we are at a point where there's just so terrible regulation that there's really no way to hold them accountable anymore. I just, sometimes it really sucks doing these episodes because it feels a little bit hopeless sometimes. Like, wow, this, this really is just an entire bag of shit and that's all we get today. But that is the end of the episode, unfortunately. Uh, I did hope you learned something new today. If you did, make sure you're liking, following, and subscribing to stay up to date to all the latest episodes. I do really appreciate you spending some of your time here with me today, and we'll talk again soon. Bye.